Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father, as we read from Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so we pray, Father, that you would be with your word this morning by your spirit. We pray that you would do exactly what you have promised to do, that you would give faith. For those of us who have never put our faith in Christ, we pray that you would give us the gift of faith this morning. For those of us who do have faith, we pray that you would increase our faith, that we might walk in it. We long to hear your voice, and so we pray that you would speak to us clearly. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There may be no greater practical matter for Christians than faith. Uh, The Holy Spirit says some astoundingly strong statements throughout Scripture about faith. As we read from Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. The Apostle Paul told the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the last verse of Hebrews chapter 10 said that we are those who have faith and preserve our souls. Faith is the issue upon which our salvation depends. The Puritan John Owen said this about faith. He said, It is faith alone which from the beginning of the world, in all ages, in all dispensations of God's grace, is the only principle of the church of living unto God, of obtaining the promises, of inheriting life eternal, and will be until the consummation of all things. Spiritual life is by faith, as is victory, as is perseverance, as is salvation. And it has been from the beginning. And because faith is of supreme importance to us, we can be aboundingly thankful to our God that he has given to us Hebrews chapter 11. Because faith is an abstract concept, and it is helpful for us to have concrete examples to illustrate abstract concepts so that we could understand them better. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 11 has. They are, it's an explanation of faith through godly examples of faith. So as we begin these first three verses of Hebrews, there's primarily two things that we want to hear today. First is a basic understanding of the nature of faith. And secondly, we want to hear how our faith 
our belief in God as our creator and the creator of all things is foundational to our faith as a whole. And with those two things in view, we'll also have some brief thoughts on how God uses faith to preserve us unto glory. And so if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Christ, you would not consider yourself a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I would hope that what God would, what you would hear from God's word this morning would be an understanding of the faith to which we are called and that you would accept this gift of faith that God extends to you. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then hopefully God will increase your faith, give you greater confidence in the faith that you have, that you might walk with confidence by faith uh, in the midst of your life. So let's begin by considering the the nature of faith. Uh, Verse 1, our author says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So immediately from this one sentence, there's uh, three things I think we need to pay close attention to. The first is that faith lives or dwells with, deals with the future. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hope lives in the future. We hope for things that we have not yet received. We hope for events which have not yet happened. And faith is the assurance of those things hoped for. Now, surely throughout Scripture, we're commanded to understand faith with respect to things that happened in the past. We're told to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in many ways, that's, a, that's dealing with the past. So it's the, the believing in the fact that the Son of God became a man, lived a perfect life, was crucified on the cross as a payment for our sins, was truly dead, was truly raised from life, and has ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. Those are all past events. But if you think about it, our faith is really oriented to the future. Faith is not merely an acceptance of historical facts, but the implications of those facts, the interpretation of those facts, and the implications for us in the future. Quite simply, that when God judges all mankind, that he will judge us in accordance with what Christ has done in the past. That he will find us righteous in his sight and that we will receive the reward of our faith that Christ purchased for us, namely the reward of being able to dwell in eternal life, receiving the blessedness of God's grace and kindness and love forever and ever. It is a future hope. That is the substance of our hope and our faith. It is a future reward. So that's the first thing. Faith deals with the future. The second is faith deals with the unseen. It says it's the conviction of things not seen. We can't see the future, obviously. We can plan for it. We can imagine it. But we can't see it. We are 
in the here and now. We can only see the present, really. So in one sense, the, these future realities are unseen because they're future, but the other is because they're heavenly realities. They're kept in heaven for us, the, the Apostle Peter said. They're things, we are, we are material beings. Uh, we are part of the created order of God's uh, created universe. And these things that God promises to us are heavenly realities, which we are prevented from this side of glory from seeing. Apart from faith. But faith gives us eyes to see the unseen. So it's future, it's unseen, but also um, faith is more than a feeling. It's much more than a feeling. Um, pastors, theologians, commentators have debated how to best translate and understand this verse our English translation obviously says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction, those are, those are feelings for sure. And that's certainly a part of faith. But it's true biblical faith is, is much more than that. And that's where the debate has been. If you think about it, faith, true faith, must be grounded in some kind of reality. Someone might tell you that they have faith in the existence of unicorns or life on other planets or of mankind's ability to come together and establish some kind of world peace that is lasting. And the problem with that is that there's no basis for that faith other than our imaginations or wishful thinking. But that kind of faith is substantially different from true biblical faith because true faith that the Spirit gives are based upon objective, absolute realities. And we know that because God has given to us his word. He has been the one that spoke these things has declared them. This is the God who is sovereign over all things, the God who is who works out all his holy will, the God who cannot lie. He has revealed these things to us, declared them, and so therefore they are true. And it's not just a confidence, a feeling of this, but there's an actual, it's the substance of the thing that we hope for. It is a, a glimpse. It is a means in the here and now to grab hold of that which we will receive in total in the future. It is a way to see now these unspiritual or these, these unseen things, these spiritual things that we will see face to face in reality. It is the substance of the things hoped for. It is much greater than just a feeling. Um, the Apostle James said that we are to receive the implanted word with meekness, the implanted word which is able to save our souls. And that's getting to the heart of faith that there's God himself is implanting in us a glimpse of the realities that are ours in Jesus Christ. 
and it is from the substantial and true nature of those things that we have that confidence and assurance, which is ours. Uh, another way of thinking about it is with respect to blindness. The Apostle Paul says that we are, we, we, when we come to faith, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened to see the things that God has declared. It's not that these things are uh, hopeful fantasies or happy fictions. These are absolute true things that we are unable to see. Our hearts are blind by nature, but God, by his grace, opens our eyes to see with the eyes of faith these realities that are ours. So just like Jesus touched the eyes of the blind man and opened his eyes to be able to see the created order, so the Spirit of Christ opens our, the eyes of our hearts to be able to receive by faith these things, and that, that is faith, the substance of the things that are real, that have been declared by God. John Calvin put it like this. He said, The Spirit of God shows us hidden things, the knowledge of which cannot reach our senses. We're told of the resurrection of the blessed, the blessed, but meantime we are involved in corruption. We are declared to be just, and yet sin dwells within us. We hear that we are blessed, but meantime we are overwhelmed by untold miseries. We are promised an abundance of good things, but we are often hungry and thirsty. God proclaims that he will come to us immediately, but he seems to be deaf to our cries. What would happen to us if we did not rely on our hope? And if our minds did not emerge above the world and out of the midst of darkness through which the shining word of God and by his spirit. Faith is therefore rightly called the substance of things which are still the objects of hope and the evidence of things not seen. It's tethering us to the realities. It's a, it's a seed of the realities that are ours in Jesus Christ. And this is illustrated, this this nature of faith is illustrated to it for us clearly in the work of creation, which is where the Spirit turns our attention next. Now, in many, sense, in many respects, it's as if the author of Hebrews you know, turns to the first page of his Bible and starts working his way through biblical examples to illustrate faith, and that's certainly there. But there is something foundational that we have to see in the work of creation that illustrates the nature of faith. So let's take a look at what that is. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So there's a, a few faith statements in that single verse. And let's, let's call them out. First is that the universe was created. The universe was created. The universe is not eternal. God is eternal. The universe had a beginning. I think, I think we know the first sentence of our Bible so well that I think we miss the import of what God, the first words off of God's lips. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was, and the universe was not. There was a beginning, and God 
created the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. The universe was created. But secondly, the universe was created by God. The universe did not come to be by some spontaneous act of itself to create itself out of nothing. That's nonsense. The universe was created by God, and neither was it by created by some unknown God, some unknown creator is created by God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is the God of the Bible, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who created all things. And in so doing, God established himself as the creator and everything he created as his creation. He established an order and authority, his authority, our dependency upon him from his very creation. Everything was created by him and for him. So it was created by God, but it was created, notice this, by the word of God. Created by the word of God. And this is where we really need to pay attention. This is the closest statement that we have in Scripture to um, the doctrine that we hold, which is creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. Um, God did not create the world by rearranging formless matter in according to ideas and forms. That was one philosophy that existed at the time. God breathed. He spoke and things came into being. And beloved, this has supreme importance for our understanding of faith. Because God declared himself as the God who speaks. And it's not just that he speaks, but God, when God speaks, God speaks truth. And notice, it's not that he's, he's, he's not describing truth. He's not saying true things. He is creating truth. Things become true because he says them. He says, let there be light, and there is light. He says, let there be dry ground. There is dry ground. What was not becomes to be because God says it, and it is authoritatively a fact. His will is accomplished as he speaks, and it comes to be such that all that you know and all that you see and all that you experience ex exists, even you exist, because God has spoken it. His word is powerful and authoritative and true because he says it. And as a result, what, was, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God's word, think about this, God's word is of a higher order and more authoritative than the things that we can see and touch and taste and know. Because what we see came to be, not out of something that was visible, something that we can taste or touch, but by his powerful word. 
And in fact, heaven and earth and all that is in it is evidence, beloved, that God's word is true and authoritative. Because he spoke, and because you see it, because you exist, you know, you can know that God's word is true. And if it's true for the things that we can see and touch, then it is equally true for the things that we cannot see and we have not yet seen and, we, and remain for us in the future. And the last thing we need to see is that it is by faith that we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Beloved, could it be any other way? Is it possible for us to understand something that if God created all that exists for us that we can perceive out of nothing? How could we possibly know it any other way than by faith? God would have to tell us that he did this before there was time, before there was anything other than himself. And he would have to tell us, and he did. In fact, God spoke not only to create, but he spoke to reveal. And it's by that same word that he gives us faith to believe and to understand and to receive these things. And when he does, beloved, he gives us assurance of these things because of the substantial and true, absolute true nature of the things that he has declared to us. And beloved, once we have that gift of faith that is rooted in the truth of God, it changes the way that we live. And that is how God preserves us by faith in the midst of our lives. Notice what it says, verse 2, for by it the people of old, it's by faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Commendation, kids, that just means that uh, the people were commended. Uh, God was commending them. He was, he was saying that, yes, they walked by faith. This is, this, they were pleasing to me. And it is by the faith that he has given, by the word of his mouth, and as the people received that gift and walked by it, it was evidence that God was pleased with them and they were pleasing to him. Faith, true faith, results in outward faithfulness. When we understand something to be true, it changes the way that we live. We base our lives on it. I have for whatever reason, always loved time travel movies uh, ever since I saw my first one when I was 10 years old. Some of us would love to be able to go back in time to be able to see events in the past and see how they really were. I think probably most of us would love to be able to go into the future because so much of our lives depend on our perception of the future. Our hopes, our dreams, our plans, our fears... Our anxieties, they're all based on the exciting or scary reality of the future, which we have no grasp on. And beloved, if you could travel in the future, 
what would you what would you do? Would you check out the stock market? <laughs> would you check out your sports teams? Would you find your future spouse? Would you uh, find your future kids or grandkids or great-grandkids to see how they turned out? Would you figure out how and when you passed away and went to the Lord? The point is, is that if you were able to see the future, it would change the way that you lived right now. That certainty of knowing how things work out would change the way that you live. And that is the, what the gift of faith will do. Is that God gives to us an assurance of the things that he has declared. And we base our lives on it. And we live it out. And that's really what the whole of Hebrews chapter 11 will show us. Is these people in God's word who staked their lives on the infallible nature of God's holy word. And it transformed how they lived in the midst of life. The creator and sustainer of all things tells us, beloved, what he's going to do. How he's going to treat us. He has promised us that he will grant us salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. He has promised that he will protect us and be with us in the course of our lives. No matter what happens, God has promised this. The one who is sovereign over all has promised this to you and to me. And beloved, Jesus Christ is the sum and the substance of, of our hope, of our faith. It is in Jesus Christ that we have been given this salvation. But it's also through Jesus Christ that God has spoken his powerful word. Remember what, how the beginning of Hebrews starts. Long ago and in many ways God spoke to us by the prophets, by, but in these last days he has spoken to us through a son. Even God himself said, listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. We, we hear what God is going to do when we listen to how God speaks to us, what he promises us in Jesus Christ. And it's in Christ that we must have faith, that what God has promised is only ours in Jesus Christ. And when God has promised us these things in his son, Jesus Christ, we have to know that it is more certain to us than the things that we see, the ground that we walk on, and the air that we breathe. It is a certainty because God has spoken it. Well, beloved, since faith is so important, we should probably spend just a, a brief moment discussing how do we obtain faith? How, how, do, we, how do we get this necessary act of or this necessary component of faith. Scripture says that faith is a gift from God. So how do we receive it? It's not something that we can create 
or muster within ourselves. It is something that we need to accept. And as we read from Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing, from hearing the word of Christ. It, remember the parable of the sowers again, or the parable of the soils, where the sower casts the seed on the ground. The seed is the word of God given out. And the soils are our hearts. So that seed is what God casts to us. He speaks to us yet again. It is his powerful word yet again that is speaking and we accept it. We receive it like fertile ground. And that faith that, 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 is, that is faith, the substance of the things that we're hoping for that grows into faithfulness in the midst of our hearts. Um, it comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Our Westminster Shorter Catechism puts a finer point on it. Uh, there's, a, there's a question, how does the Spirit make the word effective unto salvation and the answer to this is that the spirit of god so it's the work of the spirit makes the reading but especially the preaching of the word an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation yes beloved it's by reading in private and in public and in bible studies and things like that but there is something unique where God especially speaks to us through the preaching of the word, the faithful preaching of the word in accordance with the word of God. The spirit promises to be attend unto his word. That's what it said in Romans chapter 10. How can they believe unless they've heard? And how will they hear unless someone is sent? It is through the preaching of the word. God clothes his ministers. As surely as I'm wearing this robe, God clothes his ministers with the authority of his holy word to declare as his ambassadors the message of, of grace in Jesus Christ. And what God says to you, beloved, whether you have ever believed or never believed, he says to you, believe Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is a command from God himself to believe. It is the acceptance of God's command to believe these truths for your very own. Beloved, if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you must, you must obey this command to believe. Charles Spurgeon said that if a firefighter came to your window when your house was on fire, you wouldn't say, well, give me some time to think about it. Let me, let me deliberate whether I want to go to another room in my house or how I want to reorder things in my house. The firefighter would say, no, come, the house is burning. And so it is with the gospel, beloved. Do not deliberate. Your God says, believe this, accept it. It is true. He promises to judge us in righteousness, but he promises salvation in his son for those who believe. Beloved, if you, have, if you would say that you have weak faith, weak faith, feeble faith, then 
God teaches you to say, I believe, help me in my unbelief. He says that the smallest seed of faith is saving faith because faith is a gift from God. The Spirit will cultivate and grow that seed within your heart as you continue to accept what God declares to you as true and you live it out by faith. And to the rest of us, beloved, we, we need to cry out, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Beloved, this is, this is God's truth for us. This is the substance of our hope it ought to be our delight to continue to hear what our God says to us, to accept it more fully, to apply it more richly in our lives, to walk in it more faithfully day after day that we um, can glorify our God. Ask for more faith. Ask for more. He says, Lord, increase our faith. That's, that's a prayer. Ask for more faith. God loves to give faith. He delights in it. You know, we're commanded to make every effort to make your calling and election sure. We can only do that by faith. We need the Spirit to cultivate that faith within us. It brings us closer to our heavenly home and prepares us for glory. Uh, beloved, if you are curious about, about these faith claims, about the, the reality of what God declares, but you're unsure that you can truly put your faith in Christ, then what you need to hear is God himself speaking tenderly to say to you, lay aside your doubts. My yoke is burdensome. My commands are not burdensome. I, I love you. I want to lavish my, my grace upon you. I want to give you my salvation. He offers it to you. Take it without reservation. But beloved, if you are sitting there and you're saying, there is no way that I can accept this nonsense. This is, I reject this wholeheartedly as a fiction that is contrived to subdue people. And beloved, what you need to know is that God speaks to you too. God knows your hearts. And God says to you, stop rejecting my truth. Stop rejecting my truth. Beloved, there it is not a happy fiction. It is God's truth declared to us. There will come a day where you will see with your own eyes the, the things that are promised, but you will be unable to attain them because they will be out of your reach. God has promised that all of us will stand in judgment before him, and that will be the most dreadful of days for those of us who do not come in, by faith in Christ, it will be a day where God will speak yet once more and will declare a final judgment of utter darkness and anguish for all eternity. Beloved, that is 
what is promised. And on that day, you will most certainly declare with your lips, yes, Lord, just and true are your judgments, for Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. You will bow your knee on that day, but only in subjection for all eternity. Beloved, don't wait. Don't wait. God offers you his salvation today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's mercy. Receive his gift of faith and live. But beloved, for those of us who have accepted that message of salvation, rejoice and be glad because that is evidence of God's infinite love for you. He has declared his love to you. His spirit has allowed you to see these things and to receive them by faith. It is a promise and a surety that what is promised is truly yours. How can we not sing and dance for joy because God has loved us and he is doing it and he has secured it with the blood of his son. Praise be to God, beloved. We have proof and hope of salvation forevermore. It is ours. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you do indeed give us faith. We do pray that you would increase our faith. So often we get tossed to and fro by different winds as we're battered and bruised in the midst of this life. Father, thank you for your word which speaks clearly to our hearts. Now, Spirit, do please cultivate this faith in us. We do want to rejoice with all of our hearts for the, the good gifts that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. We do want to walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have received. We do want to be able to share the hope that we have with a watching world that doesn't understand. And Father, we pray that you would use us in all these things. We thank you that you love us this much to speak to us even this morning through your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.